Hello and welcome to Rike's Expat Podcast. This is podcast number 007. And today we're going to talk about the benefits of minimalism. Before I share my thoughts on, on this whole topic of minimalism, I want to just uh, lay out a couple of things so that there's no real misunderstanding. For one, minimalism is not for everyone. It, it just doesn't fit everybody's lifestyle. It's, it's not the best way for everybody. I find a lot of advantages to it, and it fits my personality really well, and I just want to share with you some of the benefits that I see with having a minimalist mindset. And, and I'll, I'll define what I mean by that here in a little bit. The second thing I want to do is to lay out that minimalism means different things to different people. For instance, one guy's idea of minimalism might be to string together some branches out in the forest, make a lean-to, and kind of put some mud clay on it and just live off the river and fish. And Now, that definitely qualifies as minimalism, and that's great. If a guy wants to do that, there are people who live off the grid, and, and that's how they live out in the uh, United States. We have what's called the BLM land, the Bureau of Land Management. Large, large swaths of land where people live like that. They, they just live out and, and essentially only come into civilization once in a while for supplies. But I, I don't see that as the only definition of minimalism. So the third thing, I guess I'll just go into my definition of what I consider a minimalism mindset. Because it really isn't about how much stuff you have. So that's probably the most important thing right there. It's not about so much how much you own or how much stuff you have. It has more to do, for me, with the mentality or the relationship that you have towards the things that you have. Now, I'll start with my own situation. The reason minimalism apply, or, uh, appeals to me so, so well and so comfortably I guess I could trace it back, and I've thought about it. Really goes back to my childhood, just even when I was even a year old. Uh, as soon as I was born, uh, my my dad was in the Air Force for 20 years, and he was in the Marines for four years before that. And so we were always on the move. Before I even could put a thought together, pretty much every year, my dad just loved to just pack up and move every year, like without fail, every single year. We would just pick up and move. So by the time I was, you know, conscious and whatever, just, you know, about four or five years old, I, I just, it was just the most natural thing. After a year, I would go to a different school. I'd start kindergarten in one school, finish that, and then go to first grade in a whole other city, a whole other, other part of California. Most of our travels, you know, while we were still with my dad before they, they, they got divorced, was, was in a different city every single year. So I was perpetually the new kid that nobody knew. I was, you know, it, it took me a school year to build up friendships. And by the time I did that, there was summer vacation. We'd go off to Texas. The military would move all our stuff to a different house. It took me a while to, to catch on to all this. And then we'd come back from Texas to a whole different house or a whole different city. And there was all our stuff in boxes in the garage. So that's how we started the next year. And a whole new school 
And again, just repeating, repeating, repeating all the way, I believe, till about, uh, till I was about 12 years old. So till about seventh grade, right about there. So for me, there was no real point in having a, a grasp on material things. Because every time we moved without fail, something disappeared. Something got lost. It was, could have been my favorite toy, my favorite shirt, my favorite jacket. Some of my books. I, I just I was a voracious reader, so every time we we showed up in a new city and we'd go through the boxes, I expected, and I was never disappointed, that some of my things were missing. They just again, I don't know if they were stolen. I, I doubt that anybody really wanted to steal my favorite BB gun or anything, but uh, things just got lost in transit without fail every single year. So I just learned to have a small box of things that were important to me, you know, just simple things like seashells and whatever. And as long as I had that, which I could keep with me, then that I was I was happy with that. Now as as the years progressed, when I turned 18, I then moved into what most people would call a commune. It was a four-year discipleship program and I won't go into all the details on that. I could practically write a book about those four years. But from the time that I was 18 till I was 22, I didn't own anything other than a pillowcase of worth of clothes, uh, my toothbrush, and that was about it. I mean, that was oh, my shoes. Uh, that was that was all I owned. That's how I started life. I did, after two years, get my first car. So at age 20, I had uh, my my Volkswagen Bug, which I, I really loved it. In fact, I got another Volkswagen Bug after that. But other than, than the car, which was a necessity, I began my individual life after age 18 just really, again, with not owning anything and not wanting anything. I I had a place to sleep. I had a dorm, I had food, I had responsibilities, I had a lot of uh, a really disciplined uh, uh, learning structure uh, to, to keep me busy, to keep my mind busy all the time. I was teaching classes after two years, uh, supervising a company by that time. So I had in what I considered everything I needed. I didn't need a house. I didn't need furniture. I didn't need anything. I just needed my clothes and my work. That was it. My books. I had a stack of books. So that's how life went. And then eventually I, I did move on. I won't go through my whole story. But my point is that I, I have found that the less I own, the happier I am. And, and I only want to have the things I really do need. I have a few things that I enjoy. But really, it always comes back to, for me, the criteria is, do I need this? Do I need it? And then, if I need it, I'll get, I'll get the version that I enjoy. For instance, in my life and for everything that I do, I need a laptop. So, I got, I got a nice laptop. I have a backup laptop. And, and it suits all my needs. I believe I've had the current laptop for about three years. I don't feel the need to replace my laptop every single year because the one I have does everything I, I need it to do. So I'm content with that. If it was to, to break beyond repair, well then I'll go out and buy a new laptop and get all the bells and whistles I can for the amount of money. So I'm, I have no problem with, with, uh, having nice things. 
whether it's a laptop or, uh, for instance, when I, I was here in the Philippines and I, I needed transportation, I looked at the different uh, brands of scooters and motorbikes and everything available, and my thought process was practical. I thought to myself, I have zero experience riding a bike, so I need to get something automatic. And so I ended up getting the Honda Beat, which is automatic, and, and I learned to ride on that. My thought process was not, I need to get the biggest bike I can get, or I need to get a bike that looks impressive to other people, or I need to get a bike that makes a whole lot of noise. None of that was part of my thinking process. My process was simply, I need a bike that I can manage and, and drive comfortably, and it needs to be reliable. And I, I feel very good about Hondas, so I, I went with a Honda. And that was it. That was my criteria, and, and, I, and it's, it's been a very good experience. I've been able to rely on my bike uh, here now for about two, three years. Now, living here in the Philippines, being a minimalist has been pretty helpful. And, again, it comes back to mentality. It's not about, again, how much stuff you have with you. It's more how you view the things you have. Now, I'll give you an example that you can probably relate to is Buddhism. Now, I don't consider myself a Buddhist, not, not by any stretch. But I have looked into Buddhism, and there's certain things about it that I really identify with. I look back on my life. And I have owned up to three, four properties. I've owned a home that was one acre, pool, and, you know, and all the, we put in gardens, and I put in grape arbors, and all kinds of stuff. And, and that was all great, but the thing is, I didn't really want all that. But because I had a large family, I had my three sons and my daughter, plus we were raising our niece, you know, I needed a large property, so we bought a large property. And and everything that followed after that really was based on necessity. We had a large family, so we needed a lot of furniture. We needed two vehicles. We needed a van for the business, plus we needed a, a commuter car that was more economical. So we got a Toyota Camry. You know, everything that, that I amassed at, at that point was based on necessity. It, it really had nothing to do with impressing anybody or just having it to to feel as if it, it made me a better person that that just never was computed into it now when i when i did get divorced i walked away from all of it i really i really had no pangs about it i really didn't care it it to me it's just a bunch of wood and concrete it's it's just a thing it, and and since i was going to be single i didn't need a big house anymore uh so i just Gave it to the ex-wife, and, you know, she had the kids, and, you know, the one daughter left, and, and her family. So, you know, it was, again, it was a practical decision. She needed the space more than I did. I could sleep anywhere. So I ended up going to one of the other properties we had, which was much smaller. The point is, is that in Buddhism, it's not a, about letting the things you have own you. You own them, and they have their proper place. They're nothing more than tools. And, and when you can see money as a tool for getting things done, or your motorbike, or your computer, or even your clothes, they're just necessities. And, and what I tend to avoid is buying things I don't need. Or if, if I need a television, which again, I haven't watched television really since 1982 or 1981. 
Um, I just don't follow television. If I'm, eh, if I'm with my folks and we're hanging around after dinner and they're watching something, I'll spend time with them watching a movie. But I just don't give any of my time to television. It's, it's To me, it's just a loss of time. Um, I do love the movies, though. I love watching movies because there's no commercials and you can watch it when you want to watch it. Again, it's a practical decision. But for me, you own the things and they don't own you. That's, that's the key thing. And a lot of people say that. But when you look at their, their spending habits, a lot of what they buy is to feel good about themselves. Whether it's the type of car they buy or the type of clothes they buy, the house that they commit themselves to, and in conversation, their belongings come up in conversation a lot. You know, hey, I just bought this big widescreen TV and they start telling you all the specs and this and that. It's important to them. And I'm sure they're very happy with the product, but it doesn't make me think of them as a better person just because their TV is really big or or really new. It, it has again, it has no value in what I think of that person. There's other criteria that I use, but material things just I don't I don't impress myself with things, and I, I'm not impressed with others with material things. What matters more to me is where their head is at, where their heart is at, uh, how they make their decisions, and how they live their life. Those matter more to me than the fact that they got spinning rims on their, their Explorer vehicle or whatever. So, as, I, as I've been in the Philippines, now I want to transition here and, and find the applicability to life in the Philippines. As a single guy, it's really helped me a lot to essentially move about. For instance, when I left uh, Bohol, I had been in Bohol for about 11 months, and I amassed, anytime you sit in one place for too long, which to me one year is like too long, when you, when you stay in one place for too long, you start accumulating stuff. And I remember George Carlin did this whole really great routine about the only reason you buy a house is so you have a place to put all your stuff. And that's true. In Behold, I started accumulating. Well, I could use this blender, and I could use these pots and pans, and I could use this, and I could use that. And pretty soon I had a house full of stuff. And when I left Behold, I took my motorbike, my backpack, which mainly held the laptop and computer gear, and then an overnight bag, which had roughly uh, about five changes of clothes, toiletries, and you know basic stuff. And that's it. I hit the road. When I moved from Mactan to Bohol, I did take my furniture and stuff, and that was the last time I did that. That was such a hairball and such a pain in the butt. I just vowed I would never do that again, not in the Philippines. It's just too much hassle to me to move a truckload of stuff from one island to the other. I'll just never do that again. I know other people do, but I'll never do it. I just, not my thing. So when I left Bohol, I left on my bike and whatever I could carry on my bike, and that was it. And it was just the things I needed to function. And same thing when I left Mual Bual to come to Dumaguete. I packed it all on a bike, and, and I hit the road. And more than likely, now I've been in Dumaguete and Bacan for roughly coming up on, actually it's been two years now. Uh, half of that in Dumaguete and coming up now about four months in Macomb. And 
you know, even though I have a refrigerator and I have my motorbike and I have all these dishes, things that I've picked up, blenders and whatnot, and, and the apartment was partially furnished, so it already has a nice uh, fans built into the wall, plus I have my own fans, and there's a TV, which I also use as a stereo since it's USB capable. Everything I have is very efficient, you know, and I have tables, bamboo tables and whatnot. However, I anticipate that when I do leave Dumaguete, or I mean when I do leave Bacong, if it's going to be anywhere distant, anything more than like a day's drive, I'm just going to leave it behind. Again, I'll just pare it all back down to one suitcase, a backpack, get on my bike, and go. Uh, or, I, or I may even take two suitcases and a bus, come back, and then ride my bike. But that's going to be the max. It's just I feel comfortable not being attached to all these all this furniture it gives it gives you a bit of freedom and I, I have talked to different expats who live here who brought a lot of things with them from their home country here they I mean boxes and boxes bollock buying boxes one after another and, and I can understand they they brought over say things like tools which are it's hard to find really good tools and if you do find them they're very expensive guys like to work with their own tools that they've accumulated over the years, and they may want to build a house. So I can understand that. It's, it's a practical thing that they would want to do that. But it really does slow them down when they want to bounce around from island to island. You know, when you have three, four truckloads worth of stuff, you can't just bag it up and pack and move in one day. Uh, when I moved to Dumaguete, I did it all in two trips. That was it. Boom. We were done. We started about 11 in the morning, and I think we were done by 3 in the afternoon. That was it. We were moved from one city to the next. So I like the mobility that it gives you when you don't have carloads and carloads of stuff. To me, it's just dead weight. It becomes a hindrance. It becomes no longer practical. It becomes an anchor. Dead, it's, again, it's just dead weight to me. Probably for the last 25, 30 years, I kind of look at my life in a backwards fashion. I, I think of my life today from the future rather than me being here today as a result of my past. I, I see my time cutting down. Every day I've got one less day to live. That's how I see it. And I don't want to drag a bunch of stuff around. And I know that when my time is up, whenever that is, I'm not going to take any of this stuff with me anyway. So amassing a, a big pile of, you know, things. I worked 21 years uh, with coronary angioplasty device development, and... I just see things as as their their core elements. When I look at, like for instance, when I look at a, a kid with a, a plastic doll, I don't see a toy. I see a piece of plastic. It's shaped like a like a doll, but to me, it's just a piece of plastic with some some cloth on it. You know, and it's just shaped to have a face and arms and whatever. When I see a, a laptop, really, again, all I see is is plastic, metal, circuitry. It's just a thing. It's just a bunch of other. Th- elements that were hammered and molded and shaped to, to perform a certain function. Same thing with the cell phone. This phone or that phone doesn't make me a better person. It's just this phone or that phone has different functions. They're either reliable or not reliable. They either run apps or they don't run apps. It's a practical thing. So that's the way that I, I look at the stuff I have, it, the material things. They serve a purpose to me. And if they don't serve a purpose to me, then really, why am I hanging on to them? 
clothes. I mean, there. I'll, when I move, I look through all my clothes, and I ask myself, have I worn this in three months? Because if I haven't worn it in three months, why keep dragging it with me to the next city? And, and I end up with a big pile of clothes that I've accumulated, and I'm like, I'll just give these to somebody else, or at least burn them, do something with them, but I'm not going to drag them around if they're clothes that I don't even wear. Same thing with shoes or whatever. I, I just And if it can be easily replaced, for instance, like kitchenware, I would rather just show up in a new city and get settled in and then just go down to the local plaza and just buy the Tupperware bowls and plates and silverware and things that I need, and, and there you go. Again, I, I don't have a whole lot of emotional attachment to material things. Now, people, well, people are a whole different thing. People, I uh, I could probably go on a whole thing about that, but basically people just kind of kind of live in my head, I guess, a lot. Um, it's, it's I think about a lot of the people probably more than I should. Um, just there are certain people that are very special to me, very important to me, people that maybe others would never think, uh, gee, you know, why does he think about that person or whatever. But to me, it's the experiences and the people you meet that are important. The material stuff, like I said, the, the chair that I'm sitting on right now, I had some background in injection molding. Yeah, it's a chair, but I just see it as some injection molded plastic that was just put into a certain shape. It's just material things when you get to it at the end of the day. One thing I was taught repeatedly back when I was living in the commune uh, from my very best friend is he would constantly remind me two things. All things wear out with the using, and the second thing was, it's all going to burn one day anyway. And that's, that's shaped my view of material things. Everything you buy breaks down the second you take it out of the box. And everything you have, no matter how well, how good you take care of it, one day, it's just going to end up in the dump. It's just going to end up burned up in the fire. It's it's just um, it's just stuff. So I know that the minimalistic approach to life it's hard to do when you're married because when you're married and you have kids, the kids need their sets of clothes and the wife has her you know fifty pairs of shoes she wants to have and and you make a lot of consolations when you get married uh, if you're a minimalist. I did. Because I wanted them to be happy and I wanted them to be comfortable. And if, and if buying certain material things made that happen, then I was willing to do it. But none of that stuff had any attachment to me. So when you're married, your idea of minimalism might be, okay, we're not going to live in a six-bedroom house. We're going to live in a three-bedroom house, and it's going to be in the province, and we're going to only spend this much in groceries, and we're only going to do this. You know, everybody has their own version when they decide to be a minimalist. And there is no right or wrong to it. It's just an approach in life. And it's an approach that I have found gives me mobility. It gives me freedom. And, and it relieves you from stress. Because the more, and again, getting back to the Buddhism, in Buddhism, the desire for something, it could be a relationship or the desire for a material thing or the desire to reach a goal, the desire for something is what can often make you unhappy because the more you want it and the less it lives up to the ideal, the more unhappy you are about the situation. And 
people go through this all the time when they, they finally buy that really cool car the, and they buy it brand new and it's shiny and, and not a scratch on it and they drive it off the lot and they got it in their garage and they baby it and they, they, they do everything they can to take care of it. And then one day somebody rams their, their bright shiny prize car with a, a shopping cart at the grocery store parking lot and it, they just come totally unglued. Well, that's because so much of their their value was in that material thing, and that material thing cannot remain perfect forever. Again, all things wear out with the using. Everything ends up in the fire eventually. So having a detachment from so much material things allows you to survive things like a typhoon or a flood. And it's heartbreaking. It's, it's inconvenient to have water just flood through your house and wipe out all the things you had. I would say the only thing I've ever lost that really, really struck to my heart was losing the two hard drives stolen that had all the photos of my kids, uh, roughly 10 years worth. I have more than that, and I was able to recover some that I had on DVD, but there was 10 years worth of photos that are just gone forever because somebody decided to rob my house. So... There's certain things that, yeah, you have an, an emotional attachment for, and that's fine. But the rest of the stuff, when you're a minimalist, you can look at all the destruction and just tell yourself, oh, it's just plastic. It's just bent metal. It's, it's just wood. It's just circuitry. It can all be replaced. It's, it's not who I am. I could be standing here covered in mud with nothing to my name. I'm still who I always was. Who I am does not depend on how much stuff I got. It just doesn't. It has nothing to do with anything. My value as a human being has about as much to do with how, how nice a car or how nice a table I have as whether or not there's a fruit tree outside the window. It has nothing to do with anything. It's just stuff. I'd like to hear your thoughts on it. Again, these are just my personal views, and I know it's not for everybody, there are different definitions of minimalism, and I am simply saying that I have found it helpful in the Philippines. The less you have, the simpler your life is. Really. And I'm not talking about being poor on purpose. I don't believe in being against wealth. I'm all for wealth. It's better to have money than to not have money. There's just no way around that. But what I am saying is that there's a certain freedom you get when you're not attached to material things and minimalizing your reliance on on material things is a big step towards that freedom so that's it for this week and i uh, love to hear your comments on the page and we'll get together again next week for something else see you then bye-bye